Welcome to episode two, called Kate Reads Cosmo and Talks About the Flesh. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey, welcome to the Kate Reads Cosmo section of the show. I was thinking, you know, I I quote unquote identify as a comedian, and I want people to be drawn to uh, the humor of this podcast. Um... I've talked to people, you know, after episode one, and some people said they liked that it was funny, so I want it to be funny. And today I'm going to talk about something that's, you know, easily um, not funny. Like, I'm going to talk about the Gospels. And, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about Christianity, a lot. And it's really, I've tried to find the humor in it, and it really just isn't funny. (laughs) And I don't know, maybe... um, I think what happened is probably some people along the line took out the funny parts. You know, I know a little bit about being a charismatic personality, and I'm sure Jesus was, you know, really hilarious the way, like, people followed him and, like, you know, flocked around him. I I have to believe he was funny. But the Bible, from what I see, I think, you know, kind of like they took out the parts about the women I think they took out the funny parts at some point, so it's really not funny, the Gospels. So all this is to say, I'm like, how can I make every episode funny even when I'm talking about Christianity sometimes? And so I, um, you know, this is an evolving podcast, and I had the idea that I could have a section called Kate Reads Cosmo, as in Cosmopolitan Magazine, because I'm trying to be contemporary in my podcast, you know, up to the minute. My There's a lot of funny material from my past, and I certainly do dwell on the past. Like, I'm writing a book about my past, <laughs> and but I'm hoping that my listeners will eventually be the readers or some of the readers of my book, and I want my book to be fresh for you guys. I don't want it to be Um, something you've heard before on the podcast. So I want to create new material for the podcast. So I got to be of the moment. And also, you know, I live in a family. And I don't always want to drag my family into every one of my what situational comedy (laughs) routines. So you know, I'll have to include my family sometimes, but I don't want to do it all the time. So anyway, I was like, how can I make this funny? I know I can read from Cosmo and react to it. And so I got this month, or I guess last month already, I picked up April 2021, Cosmopolitan. And, you know, I am surprised at myself. I was surprised that when I read it that I wasn't shocked. Like, you know, this, 
I'm not a big Cosmo reader. The last time I read it was, well, I read some, you know, last summer, but before that, I read at an, at an airport, I remember, and I remember being shocked. And I <laughs> said to my sister, I'm like, do people really talk about this stuff and think about this stuff? Like, I, I can't even remember what it was about. Let's just say it's about Brazilians. I want to do a whole episode on Brazilians and the like. So uh, if you want to get in touch with me about your experience with a Brazilian, <laughs> um, that could be, you know, uh, a shave or a wax or some with somebody from Brazil. <laughs> um, anyway, let me know. Email me. But anyway, I, the last time I read it, I was just shocked at the the content. There I was, you know, a 38-year-old or whatever, like, what? <laughs> but as we all know, I have made a, a very concerted, intense effort to learn more in this area. And I've been literally working on it for years now, asking questions, listening to people, doing my own research, um, discovering, like really paying attention to my own body and my own reactions and desires. And now I'm like, oh, yes, people are like this. They do think about this. And I think about this. So that was kind of the revelation when I read Cosmo today. It wasn't shocking. I'm like, yes, this is part of life. So what I'm going to do for this, this segment, Kate Reads Cosmo, there is a big article that says, the headline is, it's been half a century since the sexual revolution and we're still waiting for version 2.0. Well, let's just say the sexual revolution. I know roughly what it is. That's a, you know, that's a topic for future podcasts, but let's just say I certainly did not participate in it. <laughs> Again, my life has gone more the, the 19th century style of, you know, the going to church and riding the buggy afterwards, going courting and then getting married. <laughs> Something I don't have much experience with is dating. I actually only went, besides my husband, I went on maybe four or five dates in my life. And something I don't have any experience with is casual sex. <laughs> so I'm just like, you know, a lot of this is literally anthropological for me, kind of like a, an excavation, like a discovery of this world. And I'm taking you along with me, listeners. So in this um, article, we're talking about, you know, what's it like? Here we are, what, 14 months into the pandemic? What have we learned? And so I'm going to pretend I'm at like the hairstylist and I'm chatting with a buddy. And here's, here's something from this article about where we are now. What's out and what's in. What's out are one night stands. There, I guess this is a check mark of what have I experienced. Um, I have never experienced a one night stand and I am curious about them. I mean, in my heart, like, honestly, I don't think I would like that. Like, it seems to me like a very intimate encounter, but then it's just over. That, 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 I think that would be hard for me, but yet I don't want to say anything, having never done it. Um, so readers, <laughs> listeners, excuse me, um, how, how are one night stands? How do they, they work for you emotionally? I think I understand the physical part, <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> but then the whole, the whole emotional before uh, after, I don't, yeah, again, to me, like just being in the bed with the person overnight, this is just so, so interesting to me. Like, what would that be like? So let me know, group. Um, 
because but apparently they're they're on their way out i assume because of covid um what's in i don't i don't really get the difference here three night stands any comments on that i keep picturing when i say that three night stands like <laughs> this is me of course three little tables for your books by your bed <laughs> But I think they mean, like, spending three days and nights together? I don't know. That's in. Okay. What's out? Secretly watching porn solo. I got to say I have experienced that. I've been um, – I haven't watched – I still haven't watched any, like, long, long-form long art house porn, mus- porn movies, which I actually want to do. I haven't done that yet. Um, but I have watched a little, of course, solo. Um, but that's out, okay. What's in art directing award-worthy do-it-yourself porn with your significant other? <laughs> See, that that's funny. I would actually love to do that. I seriously would. Like, I, I'm a performer at heart, and I, I would love to, um, like, do something really arty with that. But it says with your significant other. And my significant other certainly. I'm that might literally be the last thing on earth he would want to do. So um that's that's in. So if anyone wants to um if anyone has done that with your partner, oh my gosh, I'd love to hear about that. Um what's out? You up the letter U, you up text. What's in? You up video sex. Texts. That's hard to say. Um, I assume that's because we're communicating a lot more by video. That's normal now, kind of, with the, the whole Zoom culture. Um, what's out? Making out at the bar. Um, that's another thing I've never done. I've only been to a bar, I don't know, two or three times ever. And I remember when I first started my research on this, I asked a friend of mine, why do people go to bars? Like, again, that's very hard for me when I was, I'm from a family of like no alcohol. This, that just wasn't, I never knew. The few times I've been there, I don't really know how to behave. I I can't hold alcohol because <laughs> I don't drink it very much. And I have a, a low tolerance before I get really sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I said, why do people go to bars? And he said, to see and be seen. And I was like, oh. So anyway, making out at the bar. That's never happened to me. Um, although I got to say, my daughter and I have been watching um, Grey's Anatomy. And I know that Derek and Meredith meet at the bar. <laughs> and let's just say I wouldn't mind meeting, you know, Dr. McDreamy at the bar. Oh, I'm a, a brain surgeon and really nice. <laughs> so I suppose it's possible. Um, making out at the bar, that's out, though, I assume, again, because of COVID. Making out on your couch. See, that seems something that seems I think I would enjoy that more anyway. Um, what's out? Vibrator batteries that give up before you get off. Okay, there. I there's one I have actually experienced. I've experienced a dead battery on in my on in my vibrator. Um, what's in? I don't even know what this means. Suction style sex tech. I don't know what suction style sex tech is. Any of my listeners want to inform? On that, suction style text, sex tech you control with an app on your phone. I think I'll take a pass on that. 
I always tell my kids, you know, being a human doesn't mean you have to have a, a phone attached to you all the time. So why do we, just controlling something like that with an app on your phone, I say no thanks. Um, what's out? Canceling because you're too GD tired. What's in? Going on three dates in one night via FaceTime from bed. And I was reading over this and practicing um, what I was going to say. And I thought, at first I thought that, I thought that was like, and again, this is me <laughs> with a, a very, like a lack of experience of anything casual. Like I'm like, is it three dates with the same person? Like you like the person and you're like, oh, well, let's meet again and talk some more in an hour. But then I was like, wait, maybe that's three dates with three different people in one night. But anyway, they can do it via FaceTime from bed because, again, now everything's a little more casual, like, oh, I'm just going to talk to you over this video from bed. So there's the what's in, what's out, uh, my listeners, in case you're curious. But what really spoke to me is this article says, the future of sex is this. Every person, single or coupled, and it says in parentheses, or throupled, very intentionally seeking better and bolder sex, not just more of it. And I was thinking that this podcast is literally a part of my sex life because I am seeking bolder sex. Again, so much of this, I just didn't know A, existed, B, it was a possibility for me. And I, I discovered now that this whole, you know, sex life, sexual exploration is for me. It's not beyond me. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to, and again, it's different, do it, trying to discover this kind of thing when you're 43 and married and a mom of two, two teenagers. So I'm trying to do what I can, and it's, you know, um, unfolding by the minute, but something that I could do for me, sexuality, I'm discovering, is like creative expression. And just creating this podcast is a way to give myself a, quote, better sex life, bolder, because I'm creatively, I'm creating something out of this, this act, or at least the concept of the act. So yeah, who knew? Who knew me, a little 19th century girl with a 19th century upbringing and somewhat of a 19th century heart would suddenly be, you know, all 2021 doing my podcast. So that's all I have to say about Cosmo for now. I think that'll be a, a recurring um, segment on the show. And now I'm going to move to the Gospels. I was thinking, would Jesus approve of my podcast? And I don't know, approve is probably the wrong word. And I have a couple thoughts on this. First, I think... Uh, Jesus would, I think what I'm talking about um, is beyond the imagination of Jesus the person. Just from my thinking about this and recently reading this new translation of the Gospels, just, and I'm going to talk more about this next, next segment, just the idea of a woman, you know, broadcasting like this um, with her own views on her own sexuality. I just don't think that would have been something Jesus would have thought about. I mean, I obviously can't say, but I think it's just the hu human culture is just ha has evolved quite a bit from what is happening in the Gospels. So I don't know if Jesus would think about what I'm actually saying. 
like as a, a sexual being and a woman. But I got two things really out of when I was reading this new translation of the Gospels. Um, number one, Jesus was always out in the community. Like he was really always with the people, talking with them, having fun with them. Well, again, I already said that it wasn't funny, but he's, you know, at the party with the, the wedding, with the water and the wine, and he's, you know, the fi- feeding the 5,000. Like there are always people around, and he's talking with them and interacting with them. He's definitely not, you know, away from the crowds. He's there with them. So I think he would approve of a community-oriented radio station and broadcasting out into the community. And the other thing I noticed that he really does, and again, it seems obvious, but maybe it needs saying, is his main mission to me was overturning power structures, existing power structures. And I feel like I'm doing that, or I'm working on that with this this podcast, just the idea of a a woman in theology, I feel like that is still, um, it's overturning kind of the, the traditional view of who, who gets to talk about um, their experiences with God or even their experiences in life. And I think as a woman talking about my own sexual ignorance and desires in a spiritual context, I think, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to overturn existing power structures. So I think, um, uh, I, I don't want I almost said I've got Jesus on my side, but that seems to be that's taking it a little too far. But I'm just going to say uh, that in the Gospels, I always relate not really to Jesus. Like I respect him, the, the total badass. But I've always said there are two characters in the, the New Testament that I really relate to. One is John the Baptist. I love. I always imagine him in a loincloth. I can't remember if it says that he's in a loincloth, but I always imagine him like out in a loincloth, you know, eating locusts and wild honey. <laughs> he just seems. He just seems to just totally do his own thing and not care about what the people think. And I love that. Um, and I love that he says about Jesus, you know, I'm not worthy to tie his sandals. So I always imagine John the Baptist as like a total, you know, babe out there, super muscular <laughs> in his loincloth, the honey. <laughs> um, so I relate to him. And I also relate to, I get confused with the Marys, one of the Marys that has the jar of precious ointment. It's called, I know, I've read it's called spikenard. I learned that word from Cardinal Newman. John Henry Newman from the, the 19th century. I, re- I read lots of his sermons, and he talks about um, spikenard as this precious uh, ointment. And she breaks it, you know, over um, Jesus's feet and then dry, dries them with her hair. And I, I always relate to, like, those people who do crazy things and kind of baffling, extravagant gestures like that. So those are the two characters I really relate to in the Gospels. Not so much Jesus, because I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm still kind of working through some of my own issues, obviously, as we can see on this show. Um, but I just read this translation of the Gospels by Sarah Rudin. And I know Sarah Rudin. I know her work because she has also translated the Confessions of St. Augustine. And the, the Confessions is kind of the, the inspiration for my own autobiographical project because St. Augustine, it was, it's like in the 500s, about around 500, um, was writing about his experiences with sex and God. And, 
And I'm doing that too, only I'm a girl. And I've read um, the Confessions like three times, and I've thought about it a lot. And Sarah Rudin had a new translation of the Confessions just uh, maybe three or four years ago. It's really good. And then I saw that she had a translation of the Gospels that just came out this March. So, of course, I bought it as soon as it came out, and (laughs) I read it. Um, And I don't claim to be an expert at all on on anything except my own experience. But I will say that I, I, in a way, I understand ancient literature and where they're coming from. I feel like I understand it on like an intuitive level. Um, so what I want to talk about today is some, some language. Like, I love language and I love words. And to go back <laughs> to Cosmo, it's interesting. Um, again, I, I, I wouldn't say shocked, but again, I... Many people know that in my family, I was raised extremely strict on no swearing, like no way, just even now. I mean, I've gotten, quote unquote, better at using swear words, but I still, it's hard for me and I don't do it very, very much. And I did notice that in Cosmo, they talk about, for example, right in the article on the second paragraph, um, in the lives of American me- women and men, that the next era would li- would look like just quote, dot 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 a shit ton of casual sex. <laughs> a few years ago, I would have been, wow, they just said shit ton <laughs> in this magazine, and it's taken me because again that was so strongly prohibited when I was a kid. It's taken me a while to realize that actually, you know, a shit ton of people talk that way. <laughs> That's completely fine. Um, So I love words, and they're interesting. And I'd like to talk about just a few words from this translation of the Gospels by Sarah Rudin. And she talks about, interestingly, that this uh, she's working, as far as I can tell, mainly from a Greek translation. Like she says, Except for the rare Aramaic interpolations in their text, all four canonical Gospels are written in Greek, a lingua franca in use over thousands of miles of the Roman Empire. But it is an open question how much Greek of any kind Jesus' own circle understood or used, perhaps not much. Nearly all the words attributed to them are thus in a language they may never have voluntarily uttered, belonging to a cosmopolitan civilization they may well have despised. So just the concept of language in the Gospels is so interesting. All this stuff is so my favorite. Like a couple weeks ago, I was reading the Gospels with my kids, just part of it, a little bit of it. (laughs) And my son, who just turned 15, was over by the the door in the kitchen with, you know, you have those little basketball hoops that hang on the door. He was over there shooting baskets while I was reading. And I was saying how he asked me something about religion. And I said, well, I don't really know. And he's like, why do you always say you don't know? And I say, well, religion is one of those subjects where there really isn't an answer. And he said, I like things where there is an answer. And I said, well, a lot of people do. And our culture is very answer-oriented, like we love proving things, right, and data and backing it up and, like, knowing. But I think in the ancient world, from what I've read, um, that was was not a priority to them. Um, One of my friends once told me that they, people back then used to think in metaphor 
much more than we, we do. And that really made a lot of sense for me because I think in metaphor. So I feel at home with the ancient world and kind of their openness to, to not knowing. Because I honestly, in most ways, prefer like the mystery or prefer just the, the unknown and just like being in it. And, you know, I said right now in my spiritual life, I, I think of God as inquiry. So I feel really comfortable with the, the uncertainty. So, but today I'm, and that's what I was going to say, starting with uh, Sarah Rudin's definition of the heart. And she says, The ancients did not conceive that thought took place in the brain and feeling in the heart, but rather that both the intellectual and emotional life took place in various places inside the torso. See, that's so interesting. I'm a, uh, an avid yoga practitioner, and they talk about feeling it like in your heart or in your belly, which they call the city of jewels, the land of infinite resources. So again, that kind of goes back to um, the body and how important it is. And she says, the heart works surprisingly often because of the closer melding of thought and emotion in ancient experience. And that's one of the purposes, me, you know, knocking over existing power structures in this podcast. I think we're too focused on the mind, you guys. Like the brothers Karamazov, they always talk about, well, the, the metaphor there is the three brothers. One, the oldest brother is like the sensuality. The middle brother is the, the cold intellect. And the, the youngest brother, the third brother, is the spirit. And then there's also a fourth half-brother that kind of represents the, the unnamed. And I personally uh, relate most to the third brother, Alyosha, the, the spirit. But last summer I was asking a bunch of people, what do you, what do you relate to the most? Like your, your sensuality, your mind, or your spirit? And I don't know, maybe it's just a reflection of the people that I hang around but, with, but most of them said, my mind. Like our culture is very mind-centered, and I'm trying to open us up to the body as part of it too, like in my, in my experience. And that's related to the definition in the Gospels from the, this Greek that they spoke back then, or some people did, um, the soul. Sarah Rudin translate that, translates that as um, the life within she says, we consider souls as, excuse me, she says, early Christians considered life to be bound to the body, reviving along with it or not at all. I mean, think of that. Early Christians considered life to be bound to the body. I feel like that, that, that's, that's my conclusion, too. <laughs> Again, sometimes the stuff from ancient literature, the, the way of being just seems so familiar to me. And that is also the final word I want to talk to talk about. I'm already running out of time. I'll have to say more about this next week, is how she defines the word flesh. She says, we tend to associate this English word with sex, but the Greek original functions quite differently in the Gospels. Death, not the body's natural desires, is the great disadvantage of mere physicality. The Jews of the Second Temple had inherited no puritanical kind of notion that the body in itself was evil, the enemy of disembodied soul. 
if nothing else, that's my argument too. <laughs> like the, I, get, I mean, to me, it's ma amazing that I read like this ancient, you know, I would say philosophical in a way literature. And I'm like, that's just how it is for me. <laughs> because I think at these deepest conceptual, you know, feeling levels, we still have these truths. And for me, the body is not the enemy of the soul. Like it's all connected. So that's me digging into the Gospels. I'll say more about it next week. But thank you so much for listening to episode two, you guys. Um, as always, let me know what you think and what you feel. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Thank you to Garrett Hope for the theme music. Thank you to Katie Neeland at Katie Neeland Art for my logo. And thank you to KZUM for the platform and opportunity. Please get in touch with me on my Facebook page, Reverse Farm Girl, or email me at reversefarmgirl at kzum.org. <laughs>